This is Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review speaking with Matt Marshall of the Orlando Sentinel. We're going to talk some UCF basketball and maybe some football too. Part of my uh, conversations with beat writers of the American Athletic Conference. Matt, how are you? Pretty good. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I'm looking forward to uh, talking some UCF hoops with you. In our um, correspondence, you mentioned that you initially were the football beat writer. So when did the when did basketball add to your plate? Well, you know, I've always been a we've we've kind of split the the role a little bit. I I start out I'm, I'm actually also do the, the national colleges for our newspaper and, and for Tribune, uh, and and so I help out with you know Florida Florida State and, and all the national kind of stories with the conferences. Um, but I, but the last couple of years, I've, I've been primarily working with uh, a little bit of the UCF football as well, kind of spearheading their coverage. But then, you know, I would jump in here and there once, once football season was over to help out a little bit with basketball. But we had a, a couple of people who would handle kind of the basketball, you know, kind of on their own. And then the last, you know, obviously six months with everything going on with, with the coronavirus pandemic and everything, we've had to, to, to make some difficult decisions and, and, and lay some people off. And, and, you know, part of that, one of it was a guy who was kind of primarily our, our basketball writer. So I've kind of jumped into more feet first, I guess, you know, more into the basketball team and everything like that. And then during this process, you know, I've also been able to catch up with Johnny Dawkins and, and a couple of the players, you know, we, kind of move forward with this idea of, of possibly having a season sometimes perhaps in the fall, maybe, maybe in the spring. It is, we just don't know just yet. Okay. Well, let's, let's start really right there. In your opinion, what, what does your gut tell you about will we have college basketball? And if so, when do you think it'll start? You know, I think we will. I mean, just based on conversations I've had with, you know, coaches and some athletic directors, I, I think we will have some sort of, of basketball season. Now, whether it will be whether it'll be in the fall or whether it'll be delayed a little bit, I think remains to be seen. I think a lot of eyes are focused on the NBA right now, and I think what the NBA is trying to do here in Orlando, you know, in their bubble at Disney, um, and trying to see how that kind of testing is, is going to move forward. Um, if if schools feel like they can do that. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see them to try to have some, some sort of a season starting in the fall. I think a lot of attention would be paid if that happens. A lot of attention would be paid to more regional schedules. I wouldn't be shocked to see maybe not so many games across country, you know, maybe some, some teams allowed, you know, more in your, your regional area, uh, which would be for us in the south, you know, Florida, obviously, and Georgia, uh, maybe Texas, something like that. I think they'd like to kind of limit the amount of travel that goes on. If they decide fall is too hard to do something, um, I've heard some coaches say, you know, they're open to, to doing something, maybe conference only starting in the spring, you know, where you, you do your, your conference schedule and, and maybe play just that and then move into somehow tweaking the, you know, the NCAA tournament and how they're allowed to do that. So um, I think right now a lot of people are, are kind of trying to figure out how things are going to move forward and, and what's the best safety protocols in place to make sure we can have a, a safe season. Has Coach Dawkins said anything uh, one way or the other, his thoughts on it? Yeah, actually, it was funny. I talked to him the other day, and he said, you know, listen, we're going forward right now with this idea of, you know, preparing for a fall, you know, the things to kick off kind of in the fall, uh, you know, late in November or, or whenever it's supposed to, the season was supposed to kick off. He said, that's how we're preparing for things. But he said, listen, if we have to go to spring, we'll adjust and we'll go to spring. And his thought kind of was like, listen, Maybe we do the whole season starting in spring, starting right after New Year's Day, 
and we extend instead of having March Madness, we extend things uh, and, and maybe go. We'll have May Madness. He said, you know, like this idea of maybe pushing the tournament back a couple months. Um, maybe if that allows us at that time to have, you know, an opportunity to have a safer protocols in place. Maybe by that time we could have, uh, uh, you know, some sort of antidote, you know, for for the virus. Uh, maybe testing would be better and all those things. So he said, listen, if that's the case, then I'm all for it too as well. So I think most coaches are, are really interested in this idea of, of being able to play. They want to make sure it's safe, but they, they're willing to adjust if it needs to be, if they get a chance to play basketball. Have you heard, it's not been recent, but because of the pandemic, but previous years, I know some people have tossed out the idea of college basketball Heck, even NBA really starting later, like in December. But college basketball starting overall in January to not really compete with football and college football. Have you heard of that? And do you agree with that? Yeah, you know, I have heard of that. I've heard of this idea maybe of, of pushing things back a little bit to maybe clear clear the, the away from the football, you know, uh, the football season, you know, so you wouldn't have to maybe compete with it head on. Um, I think it's been discussed at some point at different conference levels, if that's something that, that coaches are interested in doing that. Um, I think some are. They understand that the seasons can get kind of long and eventually you can get wind down. But I also believe that they're concerned about, you know, looking at their, their, their conference schedule and looking at their, their non-conference schedule to see how they can kind of beef up their RPI, you know, when you're getting ready for the tournament. You know, you want to make sure your, your team has played its best competition, is able to – you know, make a, a, a good mark on, you know, the rankings and, and get you an opportunity to get into the tournament. So um, as far as, you know, is anything serious about pushing that forward? I, I don't think so. But let's say this year we get to a point where they do decide maybe to push things to spring and they do decide to play an extended season or cut it down. I think a lot of ADs and, and conference commissioners will be studying that carefully, maybe thinking along the lines of maybe this is something we can use down the road uh, to help us out, you know, maybe to make the season not so long or maybe start things a little bit later. So I, I think everything's on the table, and I think they're all going to use these as maybe a possibility to experiment a little bit and see what kind of changes they might see something maybe down the road in the future. Has UCF begun or resumed summer workouts? No, they haven't. You know, they, they've just been – right now they've been, uh, you know, going through the Zoom meetings off, off campus right now. Um, last I spoke to Johnny, he said, you know, they hope to get some, you know, some sort of clarity of when the, the players can get, you know, they can get on the, the court and actually do some things. Um, it's, you know, obviously that's the hardest, uh, the hardest struggle right now. I think for any of these, these coaches, you're not allowed to be around your players. Um, they want to make sure they're staying in shape. Johnny says he feels like all his players have done a good job in the off season, uh, wherever they're at at home, staying in shape. Um, but you want to build that chemistry, you know, you want to build that camaraderie and you want to be able to get these guys to kind of, to, to grow and, and to, you know, really be able to kind of handle uh, whatever season is going to be thrown at them. So um, I, I think at some point he would love to get to that area where he can get on the court and do that. I think the American will probably make some sort of decision on its, on its scheduling in the next, you know, maybe week or so. Once that happens, I think you'll see a lot more uh, with the players, uh, not only just being on campus and, and doing their workouts, but I think you also get an opportunity for the coaches to get involved and maybe start actually doing some, uh, you know, some drills and some, you know, some five-on-fives. How many newcomers or newcomers and returnees for the upcoming season for the team? Well, you know, I mean, they return 
uh, uh, an actual a lot more players than they would have had originally. You know, Colin Smith, who was their their starting uh, you know forward last year, he led the team in scoring. He had entered his name in the NBA draft, but then just recently decided that he was going to you know come back to play uh, this next year, uh, his senior year uh, for the Knights. That was a huge news for Johnny, obviously, in this team. I think a lot of that decision was based on the fact that there's there's some of these newcomers we were I mentioned. You know, uh, Darius Perry, who's a, a, a transfer from Louisville, comes in, uh, point guard. He's a guy that is going to be able to play immediately, uh, you know, provide a, a, a big boost experience-wise at that guard position. Then they go out and get a guy like C.J. Walker, a power forward from uh, Oregon, who was a five-star player. Um, actually, his ranking, I think, is the highest He's the highest star, the highest ranked player that UCF has had, you know, in, in basketball, men's basketball. So he's a guy that if he can get a waiver, and I know he's applying for one after I spoke with Johnny a couple of days ago, um, you know, if he gets a waiver, he's going to be a, a big boost for this team as well. And then they added some some players, you know, through recruiting. They get a guy in Isaiah Adams, uh, a, a kid from Jacksonville who was the, the Mr. Basketball of Florida. They've never had a Mr. Basketball from the state, you know, sign with the, with the, with the Knights. So he adds a a big boost as well. And then, you know, they, they're able to return uh, some other key pieces as well. You know, you're looking at guys like uh, uh, Darren Green, uh, you know, with a, a guy that can was the number two score on the team last year. He's going to present, uh, you know, big help for them as well. Um, and, and then, you know, they've got some guys who basically saw a little, min, a little bit of minutes last year, but eventually will, will step in to help out as well. Have you spoken with Coach Dawkins about – um, Isaiah Adams, and I mean, you mentioned he's uh, the first Mr. Basketball in Florida to sign with UCF. As Coach talked about you know, his thoughts on how big that is, and you know anything about how he recruiting of Isaiah? Yeah, he did. I talked to him, and he said, you know, Isaiah's a, a, a special type of kid, a, a big time playmaker. Uh, he mentioned the fact that what really impressed them is kind of his basketball knowledge. You know, a guy who could step in and, and help. You know, immediately understands the game. Uh, we'll, we'll be able to give them a, a big boost. You know, he's, he's, you know, a small forward type position. Um, but ag- again, I think one of the things that all coaches like to do is they, they don't like to heap too much praise on a guy early on, especially a freshman sure. coming in because they don't want to get a guy too big headed. But he, you know, the couple of things he said is you know, I ask him, how big is it to get a guy like Isaiah to get guys like Darius and, and CJ, you know, big name, you know, transfers to the program. And he said, it's huge. And it just shows how far, UCF has gone with its brand when we're looking at college basketball. I mean, you know, they, they, I think the run to the NCAA tournament they had a couple of years ago where they, they almost beat Duke uh, really did a lot for this program, for its brand. And, and I think you're starting to see that pay off, not just in recruiting, but you're seeing it with, with the transfers. You're seeing it with, like I mentioned, Colin Smith deciding to come back. Um, you're seeing it with guys now wanting to play here. Um, and I think that's, that's good news for Johnny because I think he's, he's got something going really well here. And I think he feels like eventually down the road they can continue to add these kind of players. And uh, that's just going to help them. I mean, I, he, was a, he, he did mention that he was a little bit frustrated that how the season ended last year because he felt like maybe they could have made a good run in the, in the American tournament. Maybe they could have made a run to get to the NCAA tournament. Um, and, but you just don't know because obviously things ended uh, prematurely with, with the COVID. So, um, I think this year you're going to see a lot of expectations for the UCF team. Did the uh, Orlando Sentinel and Tribune send any writer to travel with the team on for road games, conference or not? Uh, 
You know, some of them we did. Um, we, we just kind of picked and choose. You know how, like, a lot of them, unfortunately, in our business and newspapers, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of pick and choose. Right. Um, and, and we had some guys, you know, we had someone to travel with them occasionally, especially to the bigger games, games that we felt like were, you know, uh, big, uh, big matchups. Um, and then we were going to have someone going to the American Athletic Conference, uh, a stringer for us who was going to go into the, to the conference tournament. Um, but, you know, again, with everything getting canceled, I think he got stuck in, in Fort Worth, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and, and uh, was able to get back. But, again, you know, it, as this team kind of progresses, unfortunately for us, basketball in the state of Florida isn't nearly as big as football. And, and with football season going on, um, it, it's hard, especially with UCF football being as, as successful as it's been lately. Um, it's hard sometimes to, to spread it around. But um, I, I think this year there's going to be a lot of buzz. I don't, I'm not saying that's going to mean we're going to travel to every game, but I think you're going to see a lot more attention paid to this program. Okay, that, that's great to hear. You, you mentioned the upgrade and talent coming into the program. How that speaks for UCF's brand, do you also – would you say it also speaks for the brand of the conference to attract better talent? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think the, the American has worked very hard. Obviously it still has that kind of, you know, when you think about the American as, as a conference, you know, breaking away from the big East, the big East obviously is known for being a basketball conference that made its, made its name on that. You know, for the American has been trying hard to do that, you know, over, over, since it, it broke away. Um, I think they've done a good job. A lot of these schools have done a good job. Houston, for one, obviously, has done a good job. Um, you see another school, Cincinnati, make big strides, Memphis. Um, and then you look at, like, you know, bringing in a, a program like Wichita State, you know, again, a program that's had some success. I think all those are, are not just brands, basketball brands, but I think the talent that on those teams is, is helping out this conference. I think seeing guys who are able to perform, um, to think about a kid, who, you know, was a five-star player playing at Oregon, you know, would, would decide to, you know, leave Oregon and transfer to, you know, UCF. I mean, albeit to be closer to home, but to do that would have probably not been something you would have thought of maybe five or six years ago. And now to have that happen, I, I think it's huge for them. And I think you're seeing, you know, that growth of this conference when it comes to the NCAA tournament. I think, you know, yes, you lose, you know, you lose Connecticut, which is a big loss. Um, maybe not so much in the men's game as recently, but in the women's game. But again, I, I think there's going to be opportunities for some of these other uh, teams to step up and, and make good runs, especially as they get some stability in the coaching staff. How big is the UCF-USF rivalry? <laughs> it's huge. It's huge in the state here. I mean, um, it wasn't that way years ago. This isn't something like a 20-year or 30-year. This isn't Florida-Florida State type or, or Florida – you know, Florida, you know, Miami. Um, this isn't that kind of a, of a rivalry, but it's, it's gotten better. I think it's gotten better over the years. I think football has kind of helped spark that a little bit. I think obviously with, with what we've seen on the football field there, that's helped. Um, I think on basketball, it, it's, it's not as big, but I think it's getting there. I think this is all about bragging rights. I think, you know, um, you know when, when South Florida went to the Big East, you know, there was, and UCF came and joined them, you know, for the brief moment before they made the switch to the American. Um, I think, you know, South Florida felt like it was the better program right now. Um, well, that has kind of turned a little bit, you know, over the last, you know, four or five years, especially since the move to the American. And I think that's what makes this rivalry pretty intense. Plus the fact that literally you're only, I would say, an hour and a half away, you know, I mean, less than an hour and a half away from each other. So 
Um, they recruit the same schools here in the state, obviously the state high schools, and they recruit, you know, well outside. So uh, I think that that rivalry kind of has intensified and will continue to be that way, especially if USF, you know, gets better in football, gets better in, in basketball and, and both men's and women's. And I think then you're going to see that kind of happen. How is home attendance for UCF games, basketball games? I, I think it's, it's better. It's been better the last couple of years. I, I think, you know, obviously the success of, of going to the NCAA tournament that year that they went, you know, uh, a couple of years ago um, sparked a lot of, of enthusiasm. I think when Taco Fall was playing here, I think there was a lot of interest, not just from the aspect of, how, you know, seeing him play, but, you know, it was just wanting to get that kind of see how this team was able to perform. Um, students, the student sections are always packed. Um, I think, again, a lot depends on, on, on the time, but I think because of the weather, you know, it's very rarely that you even have a game get canceled because of the weather. Fans love to come out. And, and if the team is good and the team has a spark, I mean, you can see them, you can see them travel as well. And I think the school has done a good job of, we mentioned this earlier about with the American, you get those good home games. You know, you're going to get a good, if, if Houston's the top team in the, in the, in the standings, if Houston comes to town, they're obviously going to draw really well. If, if a big name school comes to town, a uh, big program, you're going to draw really well. So um, uh, the fans love it. And I think they're, they're excited for it. And I mean, it's funny to me when, you know, I'm from Indiana originally. And so I, I'm, I grew up being, you know, a basketball fan first. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I came down to Florida to see, you know, everyone was so, it was all about football and football and basketball kind of is a lot secondary. It's exciting for me to see basketball fans come out and, and support teams because that's what I'm used to seeing growing up. And it's, and it's interesting, like I said, that they're, they're especially this program has kind of taken grown leaps and bounds under Johnny. Has Johnny, is Johnny one of those coaches that goes around campus to generate interest from the student body? Is it even necessary? No, I don't think no, I don't think it's necessary, but I think Johnny's got a great personality for it. I think Johnny works well. I mean, he, when he's out with you know, the fans, the fans love him. Um, you know, I think they, they, they like his demeanor. He's very uh, cordial and, and, and has a smile on his face. Um, they just recently, I, I, I know the school announced, you know, because of some of the budgetary cuts, you know, the school is announcing a new fundraising effort uh, to kind of generate some money for the athletic department. I know him and his wife, you know, uh, Terry, one head and, and, um, donated some money back to the school to try to help out the athletic department said he he felt like it was the right thing to do and he was excited to see where this program's going they didn't want to see it and take a step back so fans love that when i tweeted that out the fans were excited to see it's always good to see your coaches out there you know giving back and i think um so so for me it's it's i, I think the fans love them they embrace them um and you know anytime there's always that those rumors that about maybe him leaving for another job, I think fans get a little bit nervous about that because I think they like to see him and they'd love to see him around here. How much of an impact has the pandemic had on the university and then personally to you or professionally to you? Well, I think for the university, obviously, it's it's the the economic impact. I I just think, you know, the school is trying hard. Um, They've had a lot of – they had a lot of momentum over the last three or four years. And, and I'm, I'm going to credit a lot of that to Danny White, their athletic director. I think when he arrived in 2015, he did an amazing job of coming in and really kind of going out and getting support for the program. Because you're talking about he arrived when this team was 0-12 in football and it was struggling and, and you know, attendance was down. 
And, you know, he came in and he really kind of lit a fire. And I think the first thing he did is he went out and he got support and he got donor support and he started seeing record, record fundraising, you know what I mean? And even this last couple of weeks, you know, they announced record fundraising um, leading into the pandemic, you know, that they were able to get some, some people to donate. They started these projects, adding buildings, upgrading, you know, the stadium, upgrading, you know, the, the basketball arena, um, all those things that you like to see. And I, and I think that's because of that support. So, you know, going into that and then, you, you know, having the NCAA tournament run, the women's basketball program's done really well. The football program's done really well. I think going into this year, people thought we just kind of continue to go and, and grow. And the pandemic has slowed that down, obviously. And, you know, that, that fundraising has come to a little bit of a stop, at least the first couple of months, because obviously schools didn't want to make, um, didn't want to look insensitive, you know, coming out and trying to ask people who maybe were struggling financially for money. Um, and, and you're seeing, obviously, people are concerned whether what's going to happen with football, what's going to happen with basketball, are we going to have fans? So you're going to lose some of that, you know, some of that ticket money that you're, you're maybe you're generating on, but there's still, there's still excitement around. I mean, it, it's, I think fans want to see games. I think fans want to get back to things, um, but they also want to do it in a safe, a safe manner. So it's, it's, it's been tough in that regard. I, I think for me personally, the, the hardest part is just normally, you know, when we cover sports, you know, maybe that, that May, June, July is, is, is a little slow, you know, you're home a lot because most sports are in summertime. And then you're always, you know, July picks up with media days and then you're doing, you know, you're getting ready and you're, you're covering basketball or, or, or baseball or football or whatever. Um, and now we can't do that in person. And now, you know, we, we don't get opportunities to, to see these. And we probably won't get opportunities, to be honest with you. I, I doubt in the next six months to a year we're going to have, you know, journalists in, in locker rooms or journalists after practice you know, face to face with, with, with players. I think that's just not going to happen. So it's going to be tough for me because I'm a person that likes to have a conversation with, with, with a kid or with a coach or, or whatever and, and talk and, and to not be able to do that, to have to do it over zoom or over a telephone is, is a little tough for me. So that, that's probably been the biggest adjustment for me is just being kind of stuck in my home office, doing a lot of more of these zoom calls and, and, and telephone calls than actually doing stuff in person. Have you become a zoom expert <laughs> i wouldn't say expert i don't have you know i see some guys who use have their own little backgrounds you know they've done the, the fancy backgrounds to make it look like a, a an island setting or something like that i'm i'm not at that level um i can get on zoom i can run you know i can you know do an interview i can mute uh and and mute at the right times and, and do everything but uh other than that i'm, I'm pretty basic right now uh it's funny to see how coaches have really started to embrace this because you know you're talking about some of these guys who just recently kind of got up to speed on using texting and social media and you know dms and things like that and now it's all of a sudden throw a zoom at them it's it's hilarious to see kind of their responses and how they handle things i think a lot more coaches i've had more coaches tell me over the last couple weeks that they're burned out on Zoom than anything else. And their players are too. You know, they're, they're tired of, you know, staring at a screen and talk to people. So um, it's going to be interesting. But I will say this. I think Zoom has done amazing wonders for recruiting. I've had more coaches say to me recruiting has actually been better in a lot of ways over Zoom <laughs> than it was um, some way because they didn't have to travel so much. 
You know, I mean, you're not on the road recruiting, you know, how many days a week, you know, you're not away from your family. You know, you can have a zoom call with a kid and his family and still talk to him. Now they, they miss the interaction, obviously the, the, the personal touch, but you know, in a way I think you're going to see some programs maybe stick with zoom for recruiting in some cases in order to save money, because I think that's going to be a money saving technique. Is there buzz on campus about the women's basketball program? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think. I think obviously. I think that the, the you know what the women have been able to done um, over the last couple of years has been great. Um, again, a lot of a lot of buzz with with these, these three programs actually, and I think the women are are getting it as well. And, that, and that's again, I will give credit to to Danny White again on that front, you know, because that's something that I think is is tough to do at times. But you know, you look at what UCF has been able to do with the women's program. Obviously. Um, you know, with the, uh, you know, with, with UConn being in the women's bracket, it was tough for many years. It's tough to get by there. But um, I, I think now with UConn being gone, I think the women are obviously looking forward to, you know, to getting back out there. And, and you know, they've developed, you know, great players. I mean, listen, they were they were 20 and 10 last year, 11-5 um, in the conference. They they were 14-1 and one at home. I mean, they were they were strong at home. And, and I think fans love that. And, and you know, they had a certain fan base that was willing to come out and watch these games. And, and I'm not going to say they were sellouts, but they had a, a good good crowd going on as well. So that it's been a great job that they've been able to do so far, and I think they want to continue to do that. I think that's another reason why, why Danny has done a good job of, of, you know, making sure that his coaches are, are satisfied and well-paid and making sure that they, they don't want to leave and go somewhere else because he knows he's got something good going on here. And I, I think UCF Women's Hoops is, is in a good place to become the uh, queen of the ACC mountain, AAC mountain, either them or USF. But yeah, I think that program is, is well suited for that. What do you think about that? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, Katie, you know, Katie's done a great job the head coach there and she's, you know, I mean, again, recruiting well, getting the type of players I think that, that work in that system. And if you can continue to do that, I mean, and, and that's, that's always going to be the key. And now you have, you know, you have resources over the last four or five years. You're, you've got a lot of buzz. Um, you know, it, it, sometimes it can be tough for a women's coach. If you're not a brand-name women's coach, um, basketball coach, it can be tough sometimes. And I know going out to a lot of these booster events that UCF fans have, have really embraced Katie and, and the job she's done there. And, and they're excited for her as much as they are for Josh Heupel or, or Johnny Dawkins, you know, when we're talking about programs. So that's great to see because it just shows how, how the program has gone very far in, in the period of time. What was the feedback um, when the conference announced its deal with ESPN slash ESPN Plus? Well, you know, I think it was interesting because you, know, you have to understand UCF fans feel like that, you know, that a couple of years ago they were very close to getting into the Big 12 or, or getting into a Power 5 conference. And they, and they still feel that way, that at some point mm -hmm. that they're – that that you know there there was an opportunity there maybe to get in whether it's with USF or someone else or get into a Power Five conference and and as much as the you know with the American I think they they were unhappy with the first deal the American had right out of the gate you know I felt they they felt like there should be more more money you know going to the schools more exposure nationally for for these programs um, the new deal I think was 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 big for them I know some people still grumbled about it you know. They see what the SEC or the Big Ten or the ACC is doing money-wise, and they think that they should be getting that kind of money, and, and, and it's not going to happen. But um, I think the, the big, they will get a big boost 
from the, the current deal. And I think the other thing too is about this idea of, of getting more exposure. You know, the ESPN plus aspect of the deal is interesting to me because you put more of your, your content, more of your programming, you know, over to that, to that ESPN plus. And I know people are, are, you know, again, it's something you have to buy. It's another subscription you have to get, but you know, the idea of being able to go somewhere and essentially getting your own TV network in a way where you can jump on the, the American page or whatever and be able to go back and watch games or be able to go back and watch Olympic sports to me is you, you, that's, it's groundbreaking for them. And I think it's, it's, again, it's about pushing your, your identity and getting yourself out there. And I think, you know, once they get a chance to see it, once they get an opportunity to see those things, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, I think, and, and fans sometimes tend to forget it, especially younger fans. It wasn't that long ago that you couldn't find a UCF game anywhere on television, you know, whether it's football or basketball, you couldn't find them on television. And now it went from that to maybe getting on like CBS Sports Network to now being on, you know, ESPN and all its networks on a regular basis. So, um Again, I think it's they've done a pretty good job. They they want to see them obviously get more money, but it remains to be seen. I think as long as UCF continues to do what they've been doing athletically, I think that that deal is going to get better and better for them. So um, it's kind of a mixed bag. It's hard to explain sometimes. You know that there's obviously expectations of a more, but I think that right now when you look at where they've been, I think this has been a, a pretty good deal. How that will impact with the COVID pandemic. That remains to be seen if that's going to have some sort of financial impact uh, and make that maybe not less of, uh, of a big deal, at least next, next year. But uh, I think in the end it's, it's going to pay off. Have you heard any, any details regarding when that first payment begins? Because I've heard different answers to that question. <laughs> well, I haven't got any specifics or anything. I mean, I've, I've, I've talked to Mike Oresco, the commissioner, a couple of times about it. And, you know, I mean, I think that they're, uh, they're right now with everything going on, the pandemic, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, there was going to be maybe a little bit of a restructuring with ESPN, depending on what happens. I think once they figure out what's going to happen with the schedules and once ESPN and them kind of figure out their, their television deals, I think there'll be some change. I think losing UConn hurts them a little bit too as well. I think, you know, initially the deal was going to be with UConn. You lose UConn, um, a bigger impact losing them on the women's basketball side than it was probably on football and men's basketball to a point. But again, still that's, that's an impact. So I, I think I might have a little bit, but, you know, whether they see a payment coming sooner, sooner or later, I know just reading some board of trustees minutes and some, some, you know, diving deep into some budgetary stuff. I know the school is expecting, you know, you know, a, a good a good check, but whether they get that, depending on the pandemic, I think remains to be seen. Yeah, because I've heard the first check would not be until next year. I've yeah. also heard um, it should have been first one should have been this fiscal year. So I'm like, okay, I I don't know. I just wait till <laughs> I get you know confirmation from it. Where, what do you, when do you think, well, do you believe there will be another realignment in college sports? You know, uh, I think there might be. I, I, you know, a while ago, a couple of years ago, I would have said, you know, not, not until, you know, not for a while, but I think with everything going on this year and everything going on the last six months, I really do think there are a lot of conferences now. You can, we already were seeing that divide between the have and the have nots. And I think, you're seeing that divide really kind of widen over the last couple of months because you're seeing programs that are that in the group of five schools 
that are that are struggling. I mean, we're talking, you know, so the, the impact just being devastating, losing all these uh, sports, you know, losing, you know, laying off people, making big major cuts. And you have to wonder at some point if the Power Five doesn't just say, okay, we're going to kind of create our own division in, in college and everyone else can do their own thing um, and, and wait to be seen. You're seeing that division right now. I mean, you're seeing it with the testing protocols. I mean, the Power Five, reason why we're waiting to hear from conferences or make those decisions is they're trying to get all the testing protocols in place. So they're all, they're all safe and, and across the board and they can afford that because of the fact that there are the SEC or the ACC or Big Ten or whatever. So some of those group of five conferences, the Mid-American Conference, uh, you know, Conference USA, they can't afford to, to be to test at that level. So you're seeing that. And I think right now, I think more than ever after this year, especially, you're going to hear a lot more buzz about this idea of, well, maybe we should just create our own, you know, our own division, move away, uh, you know, do maybe take the playoff in its form and, and, and just do it for our teams. And then maybe you see something with, with the group of five do that. Um, which I think if that if that happens would would be would would one one case from my mind is I think would be devastating for some of these programs and including you look at like the American Athletic Conference which has worked really hard to try to to campaign for itself to be part of that Power Five and if they can't make the case if they can't say and and, and do that then you know you, you wonder you know, how much that would, would, would cripple them when you look at like finances and, 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 and all that with football. Um, so I'm not saying it's going to happen anytime soon, but I, I do think maybe some point where we could see some, some sort of changes. We could see some programs in that. Or we could, you know, I've also heard people tell me you could see bottom uh, conferences, maybe at the bottom of a group of five that, that can't make it work. And maybe some other conferences, you know, merge together and form another conference just to kind of, you know, keep things together financially. Uh, I mean, again, I think that remains to be seen, but definitely this pandemic has opened a lot of eyes to people about what, what is the big difference between the powers and, and, and the not so powerful. Speaking with Matt Merchelle of the Orlando Sentinel and Tribune, almost done, Matt. Um, what would be, in your opinion, the preferred, I don't say preferred, that sounds bad. If, if UCF could wave a magic wand, not fans, you know, the president, the higher-ups, and choose their conference, what would it be? That's a good question. I think, you know, in a lot of ways, I think something like the ACC would be great. You know what I mean? Um, I know the Big 12 has been the conference that they've been kind of rumored or speculation about, you know, years ago when there was that first round or that, that late round of, of realignment. But I think when you're looking at, like, for instance, the ACC has has its own network now, you know, its own individual network now with, with ESPN. Um, I think you look at the the geographic footprint that the ACC has with with you know the South and a lot of teams going up the Eastern Coast. Um, and then you look at you know some of the teams there. I, I think UCF would love that opportunity. Would love to get in there, not just for football, but look at basketball men's and women's basketball look what they could do with that look at what baseball look what soccer. i mean there's so much you could do with that and and then you look at the economic impact of that not just because it'd be the acc but if you didn't have to travel all over the country you know part of the problem with the big 12 now is let's say you, you were to get in the big 12 then you have to go all these different places oklahoma texas you know iowa state things like that so 
I think in some regard, I mean, I think ACC would be the perfect, uh, the perfect setup for them. Now, again, I think that's just coaches, or that would be just administrators and coaches maybe think that. Um, I'm sure some people would point to the, say, why not the SEC and, and jump in there as well? And I think that would be just as legitimate. Um, again, with SEC money, imagine what, what programs like UCF could do um, if you had that kind of money with recruiting and things like that. But um, I think any one of those two conferences would be the place that they would love to be at. Uh, but whether that's going to happen in the next, you know, four or five years, I think would would, would be something that's not on the table just yet. Because I, I kind of wonder if the ramifications of the pandemic will cause realignment because of geography. Yeah. Not necessarily because of TV eyeballs, you know, which was one of the reasons for some of the movement previously, but geography. So we'll see about that. Is there anything that you want to mention that uh, we haven't discussed? No, I, I think right now it, it's just that well, to me it's 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 been interesting the last you know obviously the last five months to see kind of how sports. Um, I feel like we've we've gotten more into the inside baseball so to speak when it comes to sports, you know, than we ever have. You know, we're 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 spending more time talking about you know, what conference commissioners or what presidents are saying or what's going on when it comes to this, to getting fall back, you know, and, and there's some kind of way to get people to play sports. And, and I think to me, it's, it's, it's such an interesting time. And I, and I, I wonder, you know, what sort of ramifications will this, as you mentioned, the pandemic would have on, on, on college sports in general, you know, we're seeing obviously, like I mentioned before, schools making, you know, making cuts, schools doing things that are, you know, making tough decisions. I wonder how maybe college athletics will change because of this. You know, maybe we'll see a, a more streamlined version of college athletics. I think over the last decade or so, obviously there's been a lot of money injected into college athletics through television deals and media rights. Um, it'll be interesting to see how, how schools can, can find a way to, to survive and, and, and maybe grow under this new, what we've seen so far. So to me, that's, that's what's really stood out. I, I think, and, and also just, the 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 passion of fans you know i mean well, with so much going on in the world i mean the fans are so passionate and really want to see sports get back but then there's a lot of passionate fans who want to make sure it's safe i mean they want to make sure that they they want to see a football game but they don't want to they don't want to risk their health for it and um that that's been one of the things that stood out impressed me the most as a national writer what is the perception of ucf football then and UCF athletics overall. Well, as a national writer, it's it's. I think outside the state of Florida, I think UCF got a lot of um, a lot of attention a couple of years ago. You know when they announced you know the national championship. You know they they won the national championship after the Coley Matrix had announced they were the, the national champions that year. They went undefeated, and I think mm -hmm. they got a lot of they've got a lot of mockery. A lot of you know a lot of people were making fun of them for that. I think a lot of people kind of took that as as putting the bad guy label on them. You know, making them kind of the punching bag, so to speak. Um, and you know they've they've done a you know, good job of trying to to trying to continue to say we're not that. You know, we're we're a good football team. We're a good program. We're a good athletics program. Um, and you know, again. A lot of that is social media. A lot of that is, is response to, to social media from, from fans, you know, from, from people who attend classes and things like that. So 
I, I think outside of, of the state of Florida, I, I think the perception is, you know, UCF is fine, and yes, they're a good, they're a good program, um, but they're not Alabama, or they're not Clemson, and, and, and things like that. Um, but, but I do think that it's starting to grow. I mean, I, it's funny, I, I, when I'm on the road traveling, sometimes I'll go, you know, I'll go places, and I don't think anyone would know what UCF is. You know, five years ago, you, no one knew what UCF was. But now it's funny, you'll, you'll, you'll go places and people will recognize UCF or people will recognize Mackenzie Milton. Or I'll have fans across the country ask me about Mackenzie Milton or ask me about, you know, Taco Fall or ask me, you know, and you probably wouldn't have gotten that 10 years ago. You know, no one would understand where, where UCF is. So I think because of the, the, what they've done on, on, the, on the football field and on the basketball courts, um, I think that's helped them out a lot. And I think that they've done a good job of, of really kind of taking that brand and expanding it. And um, I think that's all you can ask. That's another thing I'll, I'll throw to Danny White is that I think they've done a great job of, of really pushing the brand out there. Um, like it or not, I mean, they're, they're going to be out there. And Danny's going to say what he's going to say um, when it comes to the playoff and, and, and whether he should have gotten the playoff or not a couple of years ago. But um, I think that's something that's all you always want your athletic director to do. You want them to go to bat for your program and, and to go out there and tell everyone they're and, – and the fans love it and the, and the players love it and – I think that's that's all that matters to them. How are season tickets uh, for a football program? Is there a waiting list? Yes, there were actually there was, a, was the first time they had a waiting list going into this is before the pandemic, but they had a first they had a waiting list going on, and and they were actually talking at one point um, of expanding the stadium. You know, like at, at some point of, you know, I think they actually had plans or they were drawing up plans to expand the stadium. You know, maybe adding more suites and and another level to kind of you know, add some more seating, um, which was incredible. Cause I mean, where everyone across the country is basically trying to figure out ways to put people in the stands. They were, they were 40 plus almost every home. And um, so the, that's what I mean by, I think the, the excitement that's been generated has been great. And I think they were, they would have done that now. I mean, again, that's why I think with the pandemic and everything, if they go to limited seating, I think it's, it's, it's going to hurt. But I mean, again, this is something that, they continue to have that kind of momentum and, and they continue to, to, to sell tickets and get people interested. And, and it's one of the reasons why, and, and that's partly why they've also excelled in recruiting because fans, kids are looking around saying, well, this place is packed and, and, and they're on ESPN Friday night games and, and I want to play on that. So I think that's helped them out as well. So yeah, ticket sales have been outstanding and I think they would love to keep that going next year. When were they? Oh, and 12. When was, when was that? That was 2015, and I covered part of that season. So I could tell you it was it was a brutal 0 and 12 season. Georgia Leary retired mid season, um, and then uh, they basically, I, I mean, it was tough because at some point they just brought out the same two players, two seniors, every after every game, and it got to the point where we were asking the same questions like, "When do you think you'll win?" You know, and it's. And it's tough to ask an 18, 19, 20-year-old kid who's obviously dejected every week, you know, what, you know, when do you think you guys will win or what do you need to do to win? And it, it, was, it was really tough. So to see them go from that and then to go to winning the Peach Bowl and defeating Auburn and having that amazing season in a short period of time was just, to me, was incredible. I mean, that was just, you know, to see that kind of journey. And, and I mean, and, and that was Scott Frost. Let's, I'm going to also throw some praise on Scott Foss because he came in in that 2016 season and he really kind of 
changed the, the culture. And I know coaches say that all the time, but he really did. He, he brought in this family atmosphere among the players and coaches. And um, I remember in the first couple of practices, the kids were like, this is, this is great. You know I mean? I, I had, I had dinner with the coach and we had a barbecue and it was great. And they were, they were doing stuff together. And I remember thinking this, this is a different feel. And you saw it in 2018, you know, when they went off and when they won that, you know, and I think, um, you know, and then that streak where they won 25 straight games was, was unbelievable. And I, I think it just goes to show you a lot about what's going on. Matt, thank you very much for your time. Um, how can folks find you on Twitter? Uh, they can find me on Twitter, OS Matt Michelle, and um, I'm tweeting all the time, whether it's about football, um, food, uh, basketball. <laughs> I'm usually about a little bit of a little bit of everything, depending on what I'm, I'm working on. So they, it's always the best thing to find me. I really appreciate it, Matt Michelle of the Orlando Sentinel and Tribune. Thank you for your time, and hopefully, you can talk again in the future. Thanks. I look forward to it. Stay safe, please. Take care. Bye bye.